0: Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 31 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Digital Federal Credit Union, but come on, by now we all know them as just DCU. And whether you bank at one of their branches or use their mobile app to do your banking, DCU is committed to putting the needs of their members first. This month, one of their oldest branches in New England is relocating. For over 20 years, the team at DCU's Hudson, New Hampshire branch has been doing the right thing by their members. And they're going to continue to do that in their new location at the Flagstone Crossing Plaza, which is also in Hudson, New Hampshire. So what could DCU mean to you? Well, find out at dcu.org. And I am so happy to have DCU back in 2021 on the Mistress Carrie podcast. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by MistressCarrie.com, which is now where you can find all things Mistress Carrie. And I'm not just talking about this podcast, but all of the episodes of Cocktails in the War Room are also there. It's a centralized place for all of your events and concert listings, even the virtual shows that are happening. Just go to the events page. There's a section for photo galleries. And let me tell you, if you've been watching my Instagram and my Facebook recently, I have been digging through some crazy old pictures and the galleries are about to be filled with craziness and idiocy. Plus my blog is there as well. And anytime I feel like sitting down and writing something or coming up with a hilarious playlist for whatever holiday is coming through, that's where you can find that as well. And of course, the official online Mistress Carrie store. So if you're looking for your cocktails in the war room gear or some awesome Mistress Carrie stuff, hoodies, T-shirts, beanies, glasses and shot glasses, or if you want to outfit your brand new home office, you can do it at MistressCarry.com. There's also links to all of my social media, and if you're looking to get a Mistress Carrie backstage pass, you can get it on Patreon. But all you need to remember is all of life's questions can be answered at MistressCarrie.com. So, if you've been on this crazy journey with the Mistress Carrie podcast and cocktails in the war room and everything else that's been going on in all of 2020, I've been telling you that there was some big news coming. And episode 31 is going to help me break that news. The Mistress Carrie podcast is now a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. What does that mean What is a podcast network? Who are the guys that put Pantheon together? What's the future of podcasting? When can we put music in it? There's so many things that are so exciting that are happening in music and podcasting right now. So I thought I'd go straight to the source. Christian Swain and Peter Ferlioli are the architects. They are the brains behind the operation. They are, in fact, the wonder twins when it comes to the Pantheon podcast network. They're huge music fans who come into this from completely different backgrounds, but just like we've learned with music, it brings us all together at the end of the day. So I thought, why not sit down with these guys and talk about everything that I just mentioned and get some of those questions answered and find out what the hell is going on with music in 2021? And where is it all going with the technology? I'm really excited for you guys to meet them. And I couldn't be more honored to join the Pantheon Podcast Network. So allow me to introduce you to Christian Swain and Peter Ferlioli from the Pantheon Podcast Network.
1: And you're listening to Mistress Carrie Hi everybody, this is Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters And you're listening to the one, the only Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed. You're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. This is Marilyn Manson, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi,
2: this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is
1: Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to... You have the privilege of listening to Mistress Carrie. (laughs) Oh, God.
0: Oh, Yeah. All right, you guys should see that I'm recording you now. Yes, we do. Now you're officially on the record, so don't say anything one, two, stupid.
3: One, two, one, two, check. Can't guarantee that.
0: Peter, levels, Christian, levels. how are you guys?
3: Fantastic. How are you, Mistress Carrie?
0: I'm good. Welcome to the podcast.
3: Yes, we are glad to be on your podcast, and we're glad to have your podcast on our network.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very strange that I have you guys as a guest, but I thought it would be really cool because we just made the announcement that... The Mistress Carrie podcast is now part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. So thank you guys Woo! for including me. We are honored. We are honored.
2: Right. W-A-A-S yes. loss is our gain. Let's let's yep. first announce it. <laughs> Hells you know, yes. We, <laughs> we are honored and privileged to have uh, one of the you know your reputation precedes you so coming into the podcasting world being the veteran radio personality that you are uh and the trendsetter, you know you are ready to overtake podcasting and we world are to right world domination right alongside you, yeah, you right as with we us dominate yeah. the world
0: yeah that's yep. that's on my to-do list for 2021 as soon as i can leave the house
1: <laughs> okay yeah small steps small steps leaving yeah, the house
3: <laughs> you fit nicely onto uh onto the platform
0: so that, so that was the first thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about because I hadn't really heard about Pantheon. And then my brother from another mother, Mike Shu, who also is your gain from WAF's Loss. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a couple of different podcasts, but being such a music nerd that he is, and I say that with all the love in the world, Mike, um, he launched this podcast called Long May You Young. And... It's this Neil Young only podcast, yeah, all
3: things Neil. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and and when he joined your network, he and I were talking about it, and I was like, "Is the Mistress Carrie podcast music nerdy enough <laughs> to to be on Pantheon?" Because when I started looking, like. What I love about Pantheon is that if you love music, no matter what kind of music, no matter how passionate, no matter how myopic your focus, there's something in there for you. And when I started looking around, there were some things I was like, okay, there's a podcast about that? Because that's not even a genre of music that I would even spend five minutes thinking about, never mind hours a week talking about. But that's what's so cool is that I feel like people that are passionate about music, regardless of, you know, era or genre, they're all very similar people in the core of their DNA. Am I wrong in that?
3: No, no, you're not wrong. I mean, everybody has their own tastes, uh, of course. Um, but, you know, music is uh, is the universal language. I mean, uh, if you ask me, uh, you know, they say math is the, uh, the language of the universe and music is based on math. So I say music is the universe's voice. Uh, and uh, it speaks to just about everybody. I, I think I've only met like maybe two or three people in my life who just don't like music, you know? In in my entire life. So, you know, what we wanted to do was um, uh, present as many. Uh, voices in uh the um uh, the telling of uh music music discovery music interviews music commentary music history um and uh, give it a, a legitimate voice and and a place for people to go and congregate of like minds uh both uh, hosts and audience and i
2: think we've achieved that i was gonna say one of the things that we missed you know and i think all of us are maybe from that generation was the important role that you know that ufm radio dj's and music discovery mtv played you know when you could have the rotation of vj's and then have different genres back to back you could you know see run dmc and then you know a wasp video and then uh you know you see a prog rock video. And you were exposed or, to a lot of different yeah. styles and kinds of music as a music fan and the same thing goes today actually in for festivals when you go to a festival you know you're going through a three-day festival the range of artists from hip-hop to prog rock to classic rock to country to americana it's you know the festivals are an experience much but,
3: more accepted you know, these days right
2: it, it, all the different genres which you're exposed to but the internet you know beginning around 1995 obviously has really subdivided people up into you know if you really want to only get into one niche of one style of thing and music you can get that and then it tends to serve itself so if you love heavy metal and you're always listening to heavy metal on Spotify and YouTube well Spotify and YouTube are going to keep giving you heavy metal recommendations whenever you come back and so. Maybe once in a while you're going to, you know, want to hear folk or rock or switch to something for that time. And, you know, you've got to go to a curated playlist. You've got to step out what is being fed to you into some other format to discover those things. And we've lost a lot of that. And I think, yeah. you know, what your your show, our shows and network, what we're trying to do is bring that magic back of being able to be open discover here and appreciate all kinds of quality great music right
3: yeah we we think that music discovery uh is best when it's uh told by people and not machines And, uh, you know, uh, I I mean, uh, almost all of my uh, music discovery was uh, through, you know, a person of some form, whether a friend, uh, a a clerk at the music store who I trusted.
0: I was going to say, remember when you went to the record store and asked the guy behind the counter for recommendations? That's what we
3: have here. You know, we've got uh, now uh, 60 plus shows. I I think we're getting inching very closely to 70 here uh, with a a variety of, of voices. Uh, that are telling a variety of, uh, of tales in a variety of genres uh, of, of music, you know, focused mostly on, uh, you know, what we call the rock and roll period. That's the late 20th century and into the 21st century uh, here. And so we just feel that 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 is how best to two things. One, uh, to give people something new that they may not uh, be exposed to or, or remember about somebody that they may have forgotten about. Uh, and we have plenty of evidence of people listening to our shows and then writing back going, gosh, I forgot about this artist and I just went and bought their entire catalog. Uh, and I've spent the last three days listening to nothing but that person. Um, <clears throat> and that makes us feel great. That makes us feel like we're, we're really doing what we think is uh, a better way to share and create a community of like-minded individuals who love music and still think of it as the cultural touchstone that uh, that that it it was when we grew up and uh, and and we think is coming back. Uh, we we really think that music will will continue to play a, a big role in our society uh, and and maybe it uh, kind of waned over the last uh, couple of decades because there was just so much out there. I, I think that's another issue: is that there is so much out there that you need somebody to help guide you uh into yeah and you know that was the thing about the, the 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 early internet is uh you know oh we can get rid of all the gatekeepers and in some ways we needed to get rid of a lot of those gatekeepers. There's no two ways about it. But, you know, should it be on everything? And should it be 100%? No, we we, we don't believe so. And uh, I think the proof is in the pudding. We've just done nothing but grown since we began this thing five years ago. And, um, uh, you know, we, we feel that we're providing a real service uh, for folks out there uh, to, uh, you know, get the human voice to explain to them why something might be good or why they might want to take a different look at it. Because that's the other thing. We create a very uh, closer emotional connection with artists, songs, performances um, that maybe people didn't think about. And then when they hear that song the next time, or we give them a sample of it there, it's like a a, a dopamine effect of like, oh my God, I I hadn't put those two things together. And now you're explaining it to me. And now that song just showed up and, oh yeah, I I get it. I love it even more now.
0: One of the the stats that always stuck with me, you know, obviously my entire professional career was in broadcast radio Mm -hmm. was that when it came to album sales, that ten percent of the population drove album sales. So if you did it by the numbers and it was like 333 million people in the United States, that it's a little over thirty-three million people that are buying all the records. That makes sense. And this was before streaming Mm -hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. So when you were looking at the music industry as a as a a giant machine it was only fueled by 10% of the population. Mm-hmm. And where radio kind of filled that gap was that the other 90% liked music enough, but weren't the diehard music nerds that lived and died by the records that they had, like we all are. Mm-hmm. They got, the other 90% got their music from radio because it was easy, yeah, pass- and accessible, passively. and free. right, right. Exactly. And being someone that still in 2021 believes that, live local radio, I still see the value in it. I I may be old school in a lot of ways, but I still hold this amazing place for it in my heart because of its immediacy and that you're so connected to the community and that you are part of this like-minded group of people that choose and make that choice to spend time and experience things. Simultaneously meaning they're putting the radio on and knowing that it is happening exactly when it is happening and I see a value in radio. I just think that radio is is not executing what they're good at effectively and they're giving up their position. And they're giving it up to live streamers, and they're giving it up to podcasters in a lot of ways. When radio invented the game, no, uh, and they're giving up the hill they conquered.
3: You are absolutely right. Um, uh, the the if if I can, um, you know, the thing about radio is it is a um, a signal uh, and it is uh, it has a geographic location. Uh, <clears throat> it is only it can only spread so far, right? And the beautiful thing about radio uh, when it began uh, in the, the, the 1920s uh, was it developed a local flavor. Uh, and it, it, it depended on the local flavor in itself. So that was, that was its, um, uh, you know, its ecosystem. Uh, and, uh, the, you know, when the explosion of, of rock and roll, uh, came out in the, in the, 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 1950s and certainly in the 1960s, uh, and into the seventies, you had pockets like, you know, we just, we did an episode on my rock and roll archeology, uh, podcast, uh, one, uh, about LA and one about San Francisco. Francisco. And we spent a lot of time talking about how different, completely utterly different those music scenes were. They same state. Same state but but different completely worlds. different worlds, you know? And and most of the 60s as we discovered, you know, you had these geographic locations with their own flavoring that then you know was built into a stew, but you could taste all the unique flavoring. So and and, and if I can uh, uh, one of the greatest uh, mysteries for me when I was a kid is how does a band out of Berkeley sound like they were invented in the swamps of Louisiana? You know, uh, you know, obviously I'm talking about uh, John Fogarty and um, uh, uh, and oh, what I get, I'm, I'm having a brain fart. Um, um, uh, the Beaver Brown Band? No, no, John Fogarty. Oh, what are you talking about? John Fogarty and um, uh, oh, come on. Um, Oh, this is really now bad you're giving for me. me your brain. Yeah, I, I certainly have. I've stunk up the room here. Uh, it, um, CCR. Uh. Yeah, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Oh. Every, Sorry, I, I guarantee everybody <laughs> <laughs> has been yelling for the last 30 seconds. Yes, yes. I yes I was, thank you everybody. Thank was you. I I was yelling it. So, <laughs> yeah. so you know, and and uh, the you know, that was a uh, uh, that was an, an anomaly. You know, and, and and if you go back and you read uh, John John Fogerty's quotes on how they came up with it, they just loved all of that music and that's how they put themselves. So that was it was unusual, but whereas they also had to compete against the San Francisco bands who had that sort of you know, looser jammy band thing, which, you know, uh, helped create all of that. Whereas in LA, you had complete professionals, you know, and, you know, you had the wrecking crew, you had studio guys that would come in and play on all these hits and that sort of stuff. In New York, you got a completely different flavor. Chicago had a different flavor. Obviously, the South Boston had a very too. different flavor, you know, Boston. Yes. So um, we lost that. Uh, we lost that because radio, uh corporatized uh they um you know they uh uh, ate up all of the local stations and created a single national playlist and now we don't have these local flavors so not only do you have it from the top down now you have no way for the bottom up to find the next iteration of that local music scene and we think that uh, by putting these shows together and giving the freedom of the individuals to go out and find those things will help to maybe rectify some of that.
0: Yeah, it's really it's really funny to watch podcasting kind of you know, hit in the passing lane and go on a road that was paved by radio. Well, cuz like I said, I have this love for radio so much and it's so painful to watch it kind of give away the identity That makes it different than everything else and you know I say to people all the time you know how many times can you think of I remember exactly where I was I mean the last day AAF was on the air Tom Hamilton from Aerosmith talked about hearing Aerosmith on the radio on AAF for the first time Mm, always when the band first started always a big deal for every artist yeah. yeah and it's like there's that magic about it and i think because i did it for 29 years in one way or another i have this love for it but at the same time you know you had a station like aaf that was 50 years in the making and we up until the last day were still programmed locally Mm -hmm. still wanting to echo what our city sounded like and that made us a dinosaur and part of the reason why we're extinct now Mm -hmm. because the industry has taken all of that all of that decision-making and regionalized it and nationalized it and taken the power of local programmers to go, yeah, but here in Boston, they like Celtic rock because everybody's Irish and wants to get drunk. Right. Like, so let's play that for right. or whatever. Right. Give me and, the
3: chieftains. Right. <clears throat> right.
0: Yeah. Or the, or the dropkick, or dropkick Murphys, Murphys, which, yeah. you know, are a huge band here and they might not be a huge band in every city around the country, but they're definitely a huge band here Mm -hmm. so we want to be able to play them and bands like Stained and Godsmack Mm -hmm. that broke out of Boston and broke on WAF those kinds of things just aren't possible anymore well it's just and it makes me so sad it's just
3: cost-cutting um but you know in 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 the positive um the fact is is that you know radio itself is a is a hundred year old technology um and to be honest yeah. with you if you ask me it's run its course there's no need for it when you have these you know mobile devices in everybody's hands or on their watches now or in their heads uh that you have to have this signal this local signal um that is you know broadcasting out uh, and by the way it's broadcasting what they want you to hear now you have you know a myriad of choices that are at your fingertips so the 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 whole uh concept that was honed and uh evolved and perfected in radio uh that can easily move over to this new technology uh and you know you know it wasn't too long ago that uh, you know we got rid of the uhf channels and those things federally were sold off to a new technology to be used not for television anymore it's probably going to be the same thing that happens to uh, uh fm and af uh, am uh frequencies as well
0: how did you i mean you guys know obviously how my career started working in radio mm. but you know you guys are like the dynamic duo you're like yes, the we wonder are the twins of, of pantheon kind
3: of out that way, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> where did you guys come from and how did you end up i mean how did you end up with this podcast network for for music lovers well
3: um uh, I, I'm a musician, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've I've been a musician my whole life, or at least tried to be a musician my whole life. Um, I took it very serious in my 20s, you know, I played all the big clubs in LA and headlined the whiskey and the Roxy and Troubadour and things like that. Um, Uh, But uh, at the same time, um, I always had a day job. uh, And uh, unlike a lot of my bandmates, uh, that may have been uh, a part of the reason why I I never had a professional music career. Uh, But um, uh, I took um, uh, tech uh, seriously. Uh, I I got into it early uh, in the 80s. Uh, And I've always kind of been a serial entrepreneur. And to be honest with you, I learned a lot of uh, uh, entrepreneurship from being in bands. Uh, You know, you have to do it all yourself Uh, anyway. uh, You're a small business. You are a small business, yeah. And it's a partnership. And it's a partnership. And uh, so you need to learn to work with other people and and, uh, give everybody their due, uh, but at the same time, keep the the machine moving forward and all of that. Uh, And so, um, you know, I spent uh, the next 30 years Uh, in tech or the next 25 years in tech. And uh, I sold a company in 2007, made some money, uh, lived out of contract uh, for a couple of years. And when I was done, uh, I could have got back into that business and I, I realized I didn't want to do that. And so I wanted to do something different. And uh, I said, you know, this podcasting thing is new. Um, uh, you know, I've always had a love for all entertainment. And and I really, really wanted to see if I could m- put my feet into, uh, into entertainment. And, you know, they say, do what you love. And so my two biggest loves are music and history. And uh, so I said, well, let's start with a history, music history podcast. And so we created a Rock and Roll Archeology. span uh, And uh, it gained some uh, some success out there. Uh, we were nominated for some uh, awards early on. It's a chronological telling of the history of music of the late 20th century. The difference is, is that it's not a, this band begat that band or genre specific. It's about taking the music and putting it in context with the times, the culture, the technology. And um, uh, so uh, it takes us a, a bit of time to make these things and our fans started asking us to do other things and so then i created an interview show we created a couple of recap shows on some television uh... rock and roll television uh, shows that uh, were out at the time vinyl and uh... roadies uh... and then we started having people contact us and say hey we want to be a part of your network uh, at the same time, Peter and I met because when I was getting ready to launch uh, the, the show, I knew I needed uh, somebody who was technical uh, and uh, knew the marketing side of things, especially online marketing, and, um, and Peter was the perfect guy. Uh, uh, in fact, I had interviewed a whole bunch of people. I was literally ready to sign with a L.A. Uh, professional group uh, that <clears throat> would have been a big mistake, and Peter called me that. That, that day and said, "Hey, you know, I saw your ad and I think I'm your guy." And yes, he definitely was the guy. And uh, so quit the other thing, brought him on, and uh, we've been running ever since.
2: Yeah, I uh, that that sounds about that sounds about right. My my story starts back when I'm 10 years old in 1977, and my mom comes to me a few days before Christmas and says hey, would you like for Christmas to go see Kiss at the Spectrum in Philadelphia? And I, this is like, I'm like, what what do you mean? I'm like, I have the Kiss action figures. I had the 1976 Bicentennial poster that I saw you had. I had the action figures and I'm like, Oh, my God, it's my life dream come true. And so literally my first concert was this experience where, you know, my mom takes me to the Philadelphia Spectrum. I'm 10 years old. She makes my 14-year-old stepsister go with me, makes us both put cotton in our ears, take, dr- walks us to our seats, you know, walks away, Let you know, sits in the hallway or whatever during the concert. And then it, she comes to me at the end of the show and says, hey, I got another surprise for you. How would you like to meet the band backstage? And I say, hmm. what do you mean? Of
1: course I'd love Hashtag to do Hashtag best goes, okay. mom ever. Hey, yeah.
2: <laughs> and she goes, well, you know, my friend Ed Snyder, who owns the Philadelphia Spectrum, you know, you know, can get us, you know, backstage. So... So she slaps on these two backstage passes on me and my stepsister who has no idea what's going on. My older stepsister is like completely has no, you know, lost. And so we're, we're going, uh, we're, we're heading back towards the backstage and security stops us where they check your passes. And I'll never forget, um, I'll never forget, um, that, uh, You know, the look on the person's face, I'm showing them the passes and the guy's like telling us to stop, stop. We can't go any further. And my mom says, well, what's going on? They go, well, we're not letting anyone backstage right now. You know, you have passes. And so, you know, somebody she points to goes back. They come back and they say, sorry, no one can come backstage tonight because somebody threw a bottle at Paul. As he was walking off stage, someone from the audience threw a bottle at him and they just shut it down. And we were, I was heartbroken. And so I'm sitting there and, and out comes like somebody, I don't recall who it was at this time. I'm still young, but they hand my mom a a photo. They hand it to me. It's a signed full photo to Peter, each of the band members with their signatures, which I then of course hung up and treasured and became a music rock and roll fan forever. And I went on to um, to to uh, sing in a high school heavy metal cover band. And then from there, discover the Grateful Dead, travel around the country a little bit. Did then you sell grilled cheese Coast
0: sandwiches? Work.
2: Close. <laughs> no, no, no. I was actually a much more I was a much bigger visionary than that and actually made quite a bit of money on tour with the Grateful Dead. And what I actually had was a friend flying to Tibet. And bringing back imported uh, uh, hand goods, silver, uh, different uh, tops, bags, hats that were woven and made into my, I, I bought I shit from him, out I of guarantee. I don't so. our band.
0: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I bet Mike, she did too.
2: <laughs> and, I've uh, had my share of dead shit. So, yeah, so. I did that for a while ended up on the west coast making a bunch of money you know settling in the bay area and then working for bill graham presents one of the greatest rock and roll promoters in the history of the world i got fortunate enough to work for out here for a few years for him and then you know managed a jam band and you know had a love for music seen thousands and thousands of concerts the amount of bands i've seen you know in the last 30 years is just i'm blessed and lucky and, you know, I'm an independent hip hop head. I love bluegrass. I go to Tell Your Bluegrass every year. I'm a, I love all kinds of music uh, from beginning, you know, and uh, again, since, since heavy metal. And so one of the things I love about this network is it's truly my passion to expose and discover all kinds of great music. So when Christian, you know, I, I answered the, uh, the ad, I had been in the Bay Area, Silicon Valley Tech since 1993 when a friend showed me the World Wide Web while we were on eWorld or AOL. He goes, no, people aren't going to be doing CompuServe and Prodigy. They're going to be over here on this thing called the web where you click on pictures and it surfs you to another website. And so I got involved right away in the industry in the Bay Area and search a directory working for some of the big companies, Disney and Microsoft and Spent 25 years in software, mobile applications, marketing, community building. And podcast is a, you know, was a merger of a lot of my loves, especially what Christian was doing. And so we've just spent the last, you know, five years, you know, living, you know, it, you know, we're, we're not making a bunch of money. We're, I mean, let's put it that way. It's been spent a lot of money to get where we are because we're invested in the future of the medium. It's, you know, this is is definitely I am also an executive director of the largest youth uh flag football nonprofit in the Bay Area, and I do that, you know, to you know make a living uh you know as well. Um but this is church ter- certainly turning into something that's more than full time for 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 all of us, where now there's like Christian said, 60 plus shows, 100 over 120 different hosts and producers um, all over the globe. And we've built an incredible family of like minded people who love music, which to me, all the money in the world won't be able to recreate or produce that. So we've been blessed and lucky to have that and have you as part of it. It
0: cracks me up to, to think about how much technology has changed things. I mean, I've been going, uh, you know, when I built my YouTube channel, I've been going and scouring YouTube videos and finding videos of me because after 22 years of being on the air, I mean, there's just thousands of videos of me doing whatever, whether they were videos other people took or radio station videos. And there is this video of me that was on our television show, Real Rock TV, that we had in the late 90s and early 2000s. And it was me sitting at a desk navigating our our listeners through the WAF (laughs) website.
1: And it's the most
0: insane thing to me to look at now
1: uh,
0: of me going, look at what it can do. You take the mouse and you go over here and you click. But like, like Fred, that was Fred, necessary.
3: Fred Flintstone uh, carving in the uh, the rock, uh, you know. To the- yeah,
0: like, but it was necessary. And it was like, look, if you click over here, you can actually listen live to the radio <laughs> station on your computer. And like, I think about it now and I watch that video. And first of all, I'm like, damn, I was so young back then. But then I'm like, can you imagine somebody making a video now explaining how to use their website? People would be like, what the fuck?
3: It wasn't too long. But that's
0: ago, what we had to do back then. It wasn't
3: too long ago we had to create a video of how to listen to a podcast. <laughs> so we feel you. Yeah.
0: Well, well, that's one, of the, that's one of the things when I, you know, when I was on the air, especially in the last 10 years, we always used the podcast ability you know, radio is always this this immediate um, appointment listening. You know, you're going to interview yep. Rob Zombie at 1:15. Make right. sure you're listening. Mm-hmm. You got to be there. But then we but then we always would take the interview and get it up on the website for digital content. And then there was always this argument of, well, if you get the listeners in the habit of knowing that the content's going to be up on the website. The way that radio stations make money is getting people to tune in in real time and then that appointment is gone and they're not going to listen and then the ratings go down because they're interacting with the content that you are giving them by putting it up on the website and so there would always be these battles of how do we do both at the same time and how do we bring in digital advertising while we're keeping the ratings up and all of this stuff and so then it was well, why don't we have you just have your own podcast so that you can talk about all the things that your radio show doesn't give you time to talk about. So I had a podcast for a while doing that. I think there's like 30 episodes. We called it Mistress Carrie's Side Piece. And it was like the podcast of, you know, the longer conversation. So I could air two or three minutes of the interview and then put the rest of it up as a podcast and whatever. And I loved doing it. And then when the radio station went away, it was, well, I still want to have these conversations and obviously COVID changing everything for everybody of, well, I'm, I'm, I, I need stuff to do. I need stuff to listen to. And when bands can't talk about touring and can't necessarily talk about their new record, what can we talk about? And that's the fun stuff for me is introducing the audience to the people behind the songs and the life that they live when they're not on stage and what they're interested in and what they like to do and the sports they like or, you know, the hobbies they have. And it really has turned into this new thing for me of being able to kind of dig through the surface a little bit and you know, that pressure of, well, you got to talk about the new song or you got to talk about the record or the tour. Well, COVID's made it almost impossible to focus on that because nobody's touring and most of the bands aren't releasing new music right now, but their fans still love them. They still want to hear from them.
3: Yeah, uh and the the thing is is that they they can still go and we, to be honest with you the the pandemic year has been really great for us uh including getting people to guest and host and what have you. Um so you know there's to your point they're going to want to know and love uh their their passions regardless of of what's going on. Um but uh you know we do see that that people are gravitating to this new technology uh you know well let me back up you mentioned the appointment uh uh process it's appointment radio appo- appointment, appointment. appointment television you know that you know it was uh you know that's what we grew up with that that's past uh you know it's it's about binge watching or binge listening or um and it's time shifted
0: and on demand yeah, on, when it's convenient it's on, for me right. i'm gonna that's, watch yeah. it and that's what yeah.
3: podcasting is it is you know you know we call it it's the infinite dial so it's radio times a th- million uh it is time shifted radio we say that as well and it's uh, not appointment it's uh, you know to whenever you are available that content is
2: there and the one one big downside i would i will say to that is what that has, and you everybody will understand when I say this and they'll be able to feel it is, it has removed what we used to call, that really started occurring just a few years ago, the phrase FOMO. So there used to be a fear of missing out. So unless you have event based or drive demand for that appointment style, you know, festival, one time, unique appearance, an event, and a, an interview, an exclusive, what's happened is time shifted content has also told us as creatures that it's okay you can listen to this next month you can binge watch you know your favorite show after a couple seasons you don't need to rush to it now every week on hbo you know so there has to be a balance between driving audiences that exist by that fomo because the fear of missing out is something as humans that we all have as people who want to be culturally relevant. So, Mm -hmm.
0: And we want to be part of a tribe. We want to be part of a group of people that has something in common to feel like Mm -hmm. we belong. The water
2: cooler moment, okay, was that fear of missing out when something big happened and then you could get together or talk about tomorrow. That doesn't exist because it happens in real time now, right? We all get it in a different format in real time. And or if we don't we just go oh, it'll be on YouTube next week Oh, I missed that concert last night. Oh, well the coach all the highlights Oh, if I miss the AMA's or the VM TV Awards, I don't need the ads I'll just see the best performances tomorrow when I on my own schedule on YouTube Right. I mean that's
0: they say TiVo said that it was Janet Jackson's boob at the Super Bowl that that was one of the things that springboarded that whole viral I missed it live, but now I have the access to go back. They they said it was like the most rewound moment in live television I did, ever. I did
3: not rewind that many times. <laughs> <laughs> he,
0: he, he just, we did because the Pats won that Super Bowl, oh, and all anybody wanted to course. talk about was Janet Jackson's "Boo."
3: Rightfully so, though. <laughs> Thank I must God we talked so. about them
2: rather than the Pats. That's just what so. You know, Come on you, now. but but you
3: know, we, we're we're talking about like minded uh, individuals uh, being a part of a tribe, and and that's a big thing of what we try to create here. You know, uh, we're the world's largest music only podcast network, and we say that with a lot of pride. Uh, you know, our competition are you know generic be all to you know be all things to all people. We we just don't think that that is the future of podcasting we actually think that um, you know uh, vertical markets will separate and you know it's a level of expertise that comes along with that so we really only had one rule when we started to build this thing uh, out as a network and that was all music all the time that's all that matters And and it doesn't matter how you talk about music or what you talk about music it's just it's got to be
1: about music and, and high quality
3: and music culture. Yeah, uh, of course. So, uh, from the very beginning, as as Peter knows, you know, I I, I really wanted an NPR um, uh, t- gold standard quality of sound. Um, you know, when, when, since most of it is uh, is talk, uh, you know that uh, the, uh, you know the the NPR uh, model was the the best way to look
1: look uh, look to.
0: Well, let's talk about the shows that you have because I think for anybody that has never heard a Pantheon before that is a Mistress Carrie podcast listener or, you know, grew up listening to me on AAF and has discovered the podcast or somebody that listens to it now because they discovered it through my video show, Cocktails in the War Room. The network, when we talk about this diverse spectrum of. Content, mm-hmm. when you scroll through the podcasts, It's literally everything. And so I wanted to kind of talk about and give examples of exactly how wide-ranging this podcast network is when it comes to the styles, the eras, the genres of music, and the variety of hosts, too.
3: Well, uh, you know, as I said, it it all started with uh, Rock and Roll Archaeology, which is an episodic... um, uh, chronological telling of uh, the music of the late 20th century and early 21st century. Uh, and uh, we've been working on that for five years. Uh, we are about ready to launch our first show for the 1970s. So that just gives you how, how much, uh, is involved, uh, in the process of putting this together. A lot of research, read a lot of books, (laughs) uh, it's scripted, uh, it is highly produced. Uh, there's, uh, sound effects, um, you know, music beds, uh, and the, and the whole thing. So that's, that's one side of things. Um, and then, um, You know, um, the other side might be uh, the devil's music with Pleasant Gaiman, uh, who uh, considers herself a a witch, a rock and roll witch, uh, and uh, an expert in the occult. And uh, at the same time, um, you know, she, uh, 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 if anybody's seen the recent Go-Go's documentary, she's in that. Uh, She uh, helped the Go-Go's get discovered. Uh, She was very close to them. Um, She wrote for the LA Weekly uh, in the, the music department. Uh, and so, you know, she couples all that together in this giant personality, um, you know, uh, and then we have, uh, what I call uh, our PhD in Bob Dylan, uh, Bob Dylan about man and law and God. And it's literally done by a professor, uh, at a university in Jerusalem. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> there, there, there's three different sides, uh, right there. Uh, Peter, you want to, you want to pick three?
0: I think we lost him.
3: Oh, did we? We did lose him.
0: We yeah. Did lose him. I don't know what so, happened to so, him. Uh,
3: well, he can rejoin
0: uh, us, though. He's got the thing. He should be able to just click and rejoin us. I don't know what happened to him. Yeah.
3: You know, we've got the History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, uh, where Martin takes a um, uh, a theme uh, every, uh, every week. Uh, and then uh, tries to explain that theme in five songs, and it's all um, uh, uh, extraneous, um, you know, a stream of consciousness. Uh, but every every week, uh, it's uh, it's a it's a great show uh, and and fantastic. We have uh, Invisible Arts uh, by Richard Gibbs, and Richard is a known. Um, composer, uh, originally uh, the keyboard player for Oingo Boingo, he kind of followed Danny Elfman into uh, the uh, music and television scoring world. Uh, He uh, was the composer for Battlestar Galactica, uh, several other shows, uh, many movies, Uh, and he owns uh, one of the most exclusive uh, studios in Malibu. And he takes his tales of his life and weaves it together, kind of like rock and roll archaeology, highly produced, scripted. Uh, A lot of special effects, uh, sound effects, excuse me, sound effects uh, and music that's thrown in. Um, uh, And then, you know, we can go to Make It Stop, which is a bad music podcast. And literally all they talk about is the worst music ever produced. So I, I I, I threw about five out there. So, Peter, you go for a few.
2: All right. Well, I'll talk about some of the new ones that just joined the network, because I think Christian talked about a bunch of the existing ones that have been around for a while. So a couple of the new ones, um, one that's just kicking off, actually, in the trailers just up, is The Beatles versus The Stones, year by year. So a host of a great Jackson Brown podcast, Justin Cox and his co-host, Ryan Page, are going to go year by year since, I believe, starting in 1964 through 1974 with uh, different guests and debate who had the better year from all different standpoints of uh, the quality of the songs on the charts, album releases. Is it the Beatles or the Stones? So that's an interesting take. Um, when, well, the
0: Stones definitely have an, an up on that one because they're still around.
2: Oh, yeah. That's why <laughs> they only pick 64 to 74, though. So it's only yeah. for a 10 year period where they're doing that. Yeah, because obviously after 70 with the Beatles, too, it's, a you know, very iffy. Uh, you know, obviously he'll have to go to some solo projects. Um, another great uh, show in network is Side Jams with Brian Reisman. Now, Bri- Brian is a longtime journalist for uh, many of the on uh, online blogs and music magazines, uh, that you've read, uh, I believe, um, Rolling Stone. At some point he wrote some articles for, uh, to this day, he still writes for, is it loud mouth? Um, uh, maybe, uh, was it Esquire. I'm not sure. Loudwire,
0: blabbermouth.
2: Yeah. He's been in a lot of those. And he has a great show called side jams where famous people, uh, come on his show and they discuss their hobbies. So it's, you know, it's essentially, uh, a lot what a little bit like what we spoke about with you and some of the stuff you're doing on your show when some of your guests come on and, you know, talk about their life outside of rock and roll or music or other things. but it's pretty specific as to, you know, if they're car collectors or, you know, uh and what they're doing. Um another great show uh in our network uh, that just joined us is called the Suburban Base Base Impact. So So back in the in the 90s, kind of, you know, a form of electronica called uh, bass and drum really came comes out of the UK and the early kind of rave scene, you know, in Ibiza and uh, London is happening with a form of music called drum and bass. And one of the biggest drum and bass labels out of the UK called Suburban Bass has been there since the beginning of the 90s through, you know, raves and dubstep and the different forms of electronica up through today in the Skrillexes and the festivals of the world that we see around EDM now. So we have kind of a new EDM show that gives a little bit of the interviews of the early days around EDM up to some of the new artists today. And it's a little different for, you know, not everything is all, you know, rock and metal across network, but that's a real unique look by somebody who's been there, who runs the label and does the interviews Danny Donnelly some real unique insights there Um, another great show that joined us is decibel geek so decibel geek is one of the longest running over the last eight years uh, metal and hard rock podcasts featuring Aaron Camaro um, and uh, Chris Zizniak who also happens to host and run the rock and pod festival in Nashville every year and they have a great community of uh rock and rollers and kiss fans and every metalhead and uh, I would really you should tune into that one if that's your your style of music for sure. Um, another new show that just joined the network, the grunge show, the grunge goes into all that music from the nineties, you know, beginning with all the ones, you know, and love, you know, the top biggies of Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Nirvana, and then they carry it through, uh, through today about how grunge started, what's affected some of their favorite grunge artists. It's, you know, it's a really, uh, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll is, is their mantra. Um, or if
3: you don't like the 90s and you like the 80s, uh, what difference does it yes. make? So we, we have that. So, yeah. you know, or or you go from, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Miss Pamela DeBar. We have uh, her podcast on. Uh, and she the, slept uh, with network. all your
2: favorite artists. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's When I saw that she had a podcast, I was like, talk about somebody that needs to have a podcast. Oh, hell yeah. Because those stories. That era of rock and roll, I mean, if, if you see the movie Almost Famous, she was basically the real band date. Like <laughs> like the, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. how many songs there, there are is, written she, about these women? She
3: she actually has a running argument with Cameron Crow on uh who
1: who really was Penny Lane.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, because Kate Hudson attests that she used her book as the backing material for it, but you know, Cameron Crowe's trying you know, he's being Cameron Crowe. And, uh, Mm -hmm. but you know, she did, you know, let's just, let me just reel off a few of her sex partners, if I may though, by the way. (laughs) Sure. So we have Mick Jagger, Jimmy Page, Keith Moon, Nick St. Nicholas, Noel Redding of the Jimi Hendrix band, Jim Morrison, Chris Hillman, uh, Graham Uh, Parson.
3: Hold on, hold on. She never slept with Jim Morrison. What? It's no,
2: here. Her, it morning. says I haven't it listed it from her. Okay, okay. No, well, no, she no, no, got No, okay, sorry. It was a Corson. sexual encounter. It he, wasn't. She
3: tried she she attempted okay, The Pamela Corson okay. said get the I fuck. Okay. I apologize
2: it didn't go the full way. I know way. the story well, so. Uh, Waylon <laughs> <laughs> Wayland, Wayland Jennings. Don yeah, John, Wayland, Don Johnson yeah. of Miami Vice, yep. of course. Yep. Um yep. A Brandon De Wild. Now Mick, Mike, here's a couple interesting ones, ready. Woody Allen and lastly Michael Richards, aka Kramer of Seinfeld.
0: <laughs> I mean, I understand the rock stars, but I have never looked at Michael Richards and been like, "I need to sop that up with a biscuit." I'm sorry, no disrespect to Kramer, but there's just nothing sexual about him that I see yeah. watching Seinfeld. But maybe who knows? And, but- and
3: let's let's say you know about uh, Miss P is yes. that you know she owns her sexuality proudly
1: yes oh, as yeah. she
3: should just as any man does. Uh, you know, there's no reason why every woman shouldn't as well, and so yeah. we are more than uh proud. Oh to no, have that her was not meant in a disparaging way, way at all. That was yeah, meant to no. tell you
2: the great stories that lie
3: no, behind. No, her stories must <laughs>
0: yeah. be out of control. Yeah. And it's because, not. It's not
3: just sexual. I mean, you know, to, you know, you see this in the Almost Famous. You know that these these ladies were were more than just sexual partners. No, they They're,
0: were. That's what I'm talking about. They were there these, for
3: the music. They first were the and foremost.
0: inspiration <laughs> yeah. of so much great rock and that's roll. I have a theory on my podcast that comes up over and over again that rock and roll wouldn't exist if women weren't bitches. (laughs) True. Yes. And every rock star I've talked to them about it, they go, yeah, pretty much. Because if you think back of all of the music that's been written about women, Mm -hmm. the highs and lows of those relationships, the entire genre wouldn't exist without us. You're welcome. We'll, uh, we'll talk about
1: Good. one more I'll show. gladly
2: take that. Yeah. yeah. Let me wrap with Pamela to let you know she did marry, you know, Michael Debaris who was, you know, royalty out of England. Yeah. Who did yeah. go on to be the lead tour vocalist for power station when power station performed at live aid actually yeah. uh, in the yeah. 80s. So he kind of an actor or royalty and that's who, you know, she was married to last and that's where her name, you know, they divorced uh, 20 years ago, but they're still friends and he has his own thing. You can see him all over the place, but there's another, um kind of Different style of, you know, empowered woman who has been there at a lot of turns of some of the movements of mostly the punk scene. And that's Pleasant Gaiman, who is, you know, no, the I punk- talked about her. Oh, OK. The punk princess. Yeah. Right. You yeah, did me, me the whole run. You, you
0: gave me four She sounds like somebody I want to sit down and have a couple of beers yeah. with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, how, how
3: about this, Peter? How yeah. about this? So, so not only have we stolen from WAAF, we've uh-huh. stolen from WMMR in oh, Philadelphia. Yeah,
2: so let's. Oh, yeah. We'll talk I'll about let you
3: tell that since you're the Philly guy. Well,
2: yeah, we should, we did hear the Patriots and the, we knew the Boston fans of this podcast. But I'm sure all you Eagles lovers in Philadelphia out there <laughs> and WMMR listeners know, WYSP. I grew up in Philly with the rock stations there. And yeah, so Ray Koob and Marcus Goldman, uh, Marcus in the Darkest and Ray of WMMR, have a show called The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll in Network. And it's just what it says. They really have the freedom to go deep and give a lot of their... Opinions as to you know all of the people they've met in the years of being on MMR, all the, the their network, their different their books, they interview. I think they had Chris France on recently of the Talking Heads. Yeah, they did. And uh, yeah, they make for a great uh, pair and have a really in depth uh, and great take on on their approach. So there's, I think there's something for everyone, and there's a lot more coming back this back year. to the
3: Northeast. Hold yeah. on, two more back from the Northeast. Okay the rock candy girls <clears throat> we got to talk about have them. a beer and they've been music. with us for a long time yeah yeah uh oh just uh, just lovely funny as hell and bitches and they would <laughs> gladly take that title uh and then of course the shout it out loud guys which are gosh about the opposite two malukes that spend three hours every week talking about kiss uh with various guests uh, both known and unknown uh but it that is a complete and total all kiss all the time
2: yeah there is
0: it's really it's really interesting that you know when you find what you're passionate about whether it be you know kiss or you know any of the other genres that edm podcast when you really start digging through this stuff i mean the content and the conversations and the artists And the music, it's almost limitless in in what you can find to talk about if if you love it enough. And I think that's what's great about it is that at the end of the day, all of the different podcasts in Pantheon are all super passionate about what they do. And they also all have their own singular voices and their own way of looking at things, which is really cool too.
3: That has to be the driver uh of, of of the podcast um <clears throat> you know you're you're if not you will bore and you will pod fade and uh luckily we have uh, been very careful in our choices and we've had uh i think only one podcast actually pod fade um if i remember right and that was just basically because the host had uh, some health issues and just couldn't continue
0: can i ask you guys that this is one of the questions that I get asked all the time, and it's something that I thought you guys would be the perfect people to to give the explanation and talk about where the future is headed. Because I know you guys are on the forefront of making this happen.
3: Hold on, let me grab my, grab my slide rule. Okay, good.
0: <laughs> so one of the one of the questions that I always get asked by people that listen to my radio show on WAF for years is about incorporating actual music and songs into my podcast. And so when I launched the mistress, Carrie podcast, knowing that I would not be able to just throw songs on there for licensing purposes. That's how I got Sully from Godsmack to write me my theme song because I know that it had to be original music that I had the rights to be able to put on my show because you can't just go and throw bands music on there the way that we could on radio. Now things are changing by the day and this question has been asked over and over is you talk to these artists about their songs. I propagate playlists of all of the music that I talk about with these artists on every episode and I link that playlist in the show notes of every episode along with all the links to the artists' social media pages and websites and all of that stuff. This technology and this licensing, for anybody that doesn't know the radio side of it, radio pays ASCAP and BMI music licensing, and they pay a percentage of the revenue of the radio station. And we kept track of all the music we played. A lot of people would accuse us of being paid to play the music we played. But in actuality, we paid to play the music we played. And the, you know, the, at the end of the year, we would have to Submit these reports and as the assistant program director and music director of WAF It's one of the things that I did and that the radio station wrote a check to these licensing agencies For the right to play this music on the air. That's how the artists got paid Mm -hmm. This is all changing now So my long-winded question to you guys is Mm -hmm. how is technology changing? Because it's my opinion that when I, as a podcaster, am allowed to make a radio type show with music in it that I have licensing that I can pay, that's when I go to a whole other level to be able to get closer to, to what WAF listeners no Mm -hmm. for me to be able to have a conversation and throw the songs in that we're talking about so explain to me why that wasn't allowed and how that's changing with technology
3: well um, <clears throat> I think we've already established that you know podcasting is the new radio. Uh, it is the future of as we this format of what we call radio. Um, and um, you know the uh, license holders the license the rights holders themselves uh, still need to get the message out for uh, their uh, their products. Uh, and a lot of the old ways, as, again, as we've just talked about in this, uh, in this episode here, uh, have disappeared. Uh, you know, the FM uh, r- radio DJs, the uh, music store clerks, and even the music magazines uh, are just not uh, the way people uh, learn about uh, their music. Uh, we believe that it, it is podcasting is the, the future of that. Um, uh, at the same time, uh, podcasting is um, kind of, a, of the Wild West we do use clips in most of our shows uh we hang our hat on on fair use we keep it to uh, a, a minimal clip uh that is in context with what we're talking about uh and therefore we're kind of like um you know the uh uh the the critics of uh in the modern world uh that are you know explaining why you should buy or not buy uh a particular uh piece of music you know most of what we talk about it's all about go out and get this because it's the stuff we love. Um, And uh, at the same time, you know, the industry is growing uh, and it is being looked at uh, uh, by uh, the rights holders as um, uh, both a net positive, uh, because they do see that we are driving traffic to uh, uh, purchase uh, those tracks and their artists. Uh, And so they don't want to kill the golden goose, but at the same time, we do need to figure out a system like Radio had uh, and it will probably be very similar to that. Um, You know, you already have a model with streaming uh, and that is for a full song uh, that, um, you know, the Spotify model uh, out there. Uh, and then radio has uh, a model uh, as well. So the first step was identifying uh, music usage in, uh, in podcasting. And that has been accomplished. Uh, that, uh, that was accomplished uh, mid-2020. Uh, um, there's a company that we work with called Pax. Uh, it's a content ID company. They were able to uh, catalog uh, every single podcast and the music usage in that podcast. So the rights holders are now uh, aware of what is being used out there. Uh, The reality is that we are, if you do it correctly, and I think we are doing it correctly by putting the music in context uh, and keeping it to short clips, uh, which drives traffic to to the full songs. I think there's going to be a system that it'll be put in place uh, that will probably be tiered. Uh, It'll be based on revenue uh, within uh, the, uh, the podcast or the network. Uh, and the uh, usage, uh, how much of it that you use, that seems to be where things are going. Uh, we sit on a committee uh, that we uh, we we helped build. Uh, in fact, we created a um, uh, a uh, an alliance. We call it the Alliance of Music Podcasters or AMP, uh, where all uh, podcasters that are talking about music need to be a part of. Um, And uh, we are sitting on that uh, side of the committee with the rights holders on the other side and Pecs in the middle, trying to develop a fair and equitable system uh, for doing exactly what radio uh, had done in the
0: past. Because it's something that, you know, I get asked these questions all the time and it's, as a music fan, like you're talking about all of the shows in the network, we're coming at it from a place of love and that we want to be able to have these conversations. And if if I'm talking to Nuno Betancourt about an Eddie Van Halen riff or a you know, the way that he plays a certain part of a Van Halen song. You gotta
3: play a little bit of it so everybody knows what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. And and up until now, I had not been doing that because it was something that I know the laws are changing all the time. And I come from a place of having a radio station that had massive amounts of lawyers that told me what rules. I could do right.
1: mm-hmm.
0: yet with very defined rules. But also if you stepped over a rule, you had somebody there backing you up too mm-hmm. if you screwed up. And so I know that in 2020, these these lines started to blur about fair use and what we could do. And I do want to be able to start incorporating more music. And one of the conversations that I've been having not only in the war room, but also on the podcast. You know, Sean Morgan from Seether talked about it when we were talking about the Joe Rogan Spotify podcast deal and how much money Spotify was willing to pay. hundred
3: million (laughs) dollars.
0: And then Sean Morgan was like, he hadn't heard that story at the time we did the interview over the summer. And he was like, wait a minute, they're willing to pay people that don't play music for their podcast, but the systems were built on the music that we all played and the amount of money, I think it's staggering. about how little a band actually makes off of a stream for a song and and you know I talked about it with Nuno as well is you know a guy like Lars took a lot of crap in the Napster days because he became the whiny face of of you know crying against the evolving technology but everyone now looks back at it and was like Lars was totally right maybe the the message wasn't delivered necessarily in the right way but but it was a defining way and in a lot of other genres movies for instance were really able to kind of nip a lot of this piracy in the bud whereas music was very late to the game and they they didn't know how to handle streaming and bootlegging and all of that stuff and so now well
3: they they started off by just saying yet uh right (laughs) that's a bad way to begin a negotiation (laughs) right uh as opposed to huh let's see what we got and let's see how we can use this and let's see if we can actually make some money out of this right Uh, that's the better way to go
0: partner with this technology as opposed to just you know saying your backstage pass at the kiss concert in 1977 ain't getting you nowhere kid yeah well you know
3: at, at the same time, let me, let me say that, as we know, uh, uh, you know, there, the, the money uh, uh, back in the 20th century was in the recordings uh, and the tour was uh, to support a that. promotional
0: thing. Exactly.
3: Yeah. That was the loss leader. Right. And so that flipped. Uh, and, uh, you know, up until pandemic, you know, most of the artists' uh, uh, income would come from uh, touring and merch. Uh, and, you know, now that there's a pandemic, uh, you know, and you can't go out and tour and merch, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're at a loggerhead uh, at the moment. But, you know, that's going to change and go back. You know, Lars and, and uh, Napster, and, and that's one story. You know, I, I just heard this the other day uh, from a, a new podcast that's going to join us. Uh, A a host, uh, Tony Michaelides, who um, uh, worked for David Bowie. And, uh, you know, David Bowie uh, uh, said in, uh, I think, 1995 that music uh, is going to become like water or electricity. Uh, You know, it's going to be uh, more like a utility. Uh, there, it's not going to be the be-all, end-all, and I, I tend to agree with that. Not because I, I want to downgrade the quality of music or what have you, but I just want to say that that there used to be an exclusive club to get into. That it was a very small club. That doesn't exist anymore. You even the greatest rock stars have to compete with hundreds of thousands of kids in their bedroom, like Billie Eilish, making tunes that are going to compete for, you know, sales uh, or radio space or what have you uh, with them. So, you know, the days of you know David Crosby shaking his fist uh, or Don Henley saying, you know, pay us what we used to get paid.
2: That's uh, not it's just not. It's just not going to happen. It's, it's just, just not going to happen same, when it comes to this. It's the same story at a different day. Go back and read Courtney Love's uh, diatribe to the record industry in the '90s that she posted on a blog that made her and great hugely yeah. a blacklisted from uh, the from uh, every lawyer and label in LA when she exposed how every single record contract, you know, works. You know, so so she, you know, she essentially, you know, was doing what's being said today. It's always always it's always been just six points on the dollar. Right. It's never been. It's always been six pennies on the dollar for the artist. It's a different age. Those pennies are being split in a different way. And it's, you know, if you look at the Radioheads, the Fishes, the Grateful Dead's, the Neil Young's, they've all, blossomed in 20 years online because they've brought their catalog and their fans and given them value online to create a community and self-empowered themselves. Neil Young has his 50 young archive for a $20 subscription and a high. You can hear his 40 albums and his movies and every video for a flat rate. That's nothing an entire year on his service. And he owns it all and he distributes it and he's in control. That's what all artists should be. He makes so much more per stream than any of these guys on Spotify, and they're the ones that turning, they got together let their lawyers and labels set these rates. They are to blame. Any artist that comes on and talks about Spotify has to look in the mirror, okay, then don't sign with that label or be part of that commission and agree that you join the Indies or join go another route. You are empowered today on the internet to do that. And that's the scary thing. Dreams by Fleetwood Mac out of nowhere sells goes viral because you know the guy you know on uh, TikTok becomes a number the one hit 47, 47 years and later now, right. and now and <laughs> now all the all you know all the label execs are sitting in their offices going how do we reproduce that how do we well, what's going on here we haven't seen that ever you know and the same thing with the, uh, you know the two African American hip hop kids who did the Phil Collins they heard the drum drop in the air tonight and to them it was like you know hearing the two two pop it was magic it really was magic and how do you grab that and how do you embrace that not crush that so creativity online empowering the users to be creative okay not abuse it and allowing the rights holders in real time to say yay or nay and ride along with the rights holders is where we are and that's what podcasting and the licensing represents of the future you will be you know, you will be a good actor, you will have get uh, the ability to have your work shared. And if you makes millions of dollars on because you blew up a song and the art, everyone benefits from it, right? Ideally, yeah, but that's the idea.
3: Yeah, the, 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 the old guys are used to getting, you know, one check uh, with their royalty payment. And that's, you can't look at it that way anymore. You need to get a, a million checks for micropennies, uh, you know, from a variety of uses, uh, you know. And, 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 and that's, I think that's what Bowie was trying to talk about, is that you need to make the, your catalog available for usage for all kinds of creative works, and you'll get paid, you know, smaller pieces. But it, the more that you're used out there, the more that that will, will get. So we we kind of see that, you know, everybody now is a creator. Uh, you know, whether it's podcasting or videos or TikTok or whatever.
0: We are we're, living we're, in Andy Warhol's prediction. We, we I mean, literally totally are. Happening. Yes,
3: we, yeah. there is, we are definitely there. Uh, and, um, you know, these are now... Uh, tools like you would use a special effect or you know you would use a um, you know a particular actor or what have you uh, you know that are putting together for
2: some six-year-old's
3: TikTok video now
2: you know what saddens me is that things like Prince's estate are going to crush a new generation of listeners Okay, or, or exposing. Get, or get so millions of kids around the internet in the corners of the world watching YouTube, looking at things, could never watch any prints, materials, see anything, because his lawyers and his estate are so good at making sure that no one can use or see anything that they're not in complete control of, but they're losing a whole generation and generations of opportunity to market to because they'll, they'll become irrelevant and archaic. Right. I well, mean. and the
0: and and the IRS is going after them right now because they're claiming that they undervalued. You know, how how do you put a dollar amount on what Prince's archives and music is worth? And the IRS is saying it's worth 160 million, and the estate's saying it's worth 80 million, and they want to. Uh, I want the taxes. Well, we, know, we know we know Bob
3: Dylan's is worth three hundred million. So, $300 right? million is worth a
1: lot of money.
0: <laughs> I, I just read
3: while we were on while we were talking that Lindsey Buckingham just sold his catalog.
2: Well, guess so, what? Prince's commercial catalog is much more viable than Bob Dylan's. If Bob Dylan sold for yeah. three hundred million, Bob Dylan didn't have top ten songs. <laughs> he had good commercials. Uh, no, he, he did. He did. He had well, a few no, songs in the, the 60s, '60s, but not in the '70s, '80s, '90s. He wasn't a Purple yeah. Rain. He was never a Zeitgeist. Outside of people who are, you know, he's in the Zeitgeist of singer-songwriter. But people around the world are It's not like Michael Jackson. Prince is like Michael Jackson. Prince is yeah. a crossover all ages all sexes all ethnicities. Bob Dylan is not that. Let's let's be honest. He is a white person's you know, white people like Bob Dylan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there are people yelling. I guess I'm guilty. Right <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. I don't I'm just telling on you. On both
3: man. on both accounts, by the way. Um, you know, no. It's just look. Uh, you can't stop progress. You can't stop the future. You do need to adapt to it, and you need to try to get the the best value you can out of it. And if you, you know, uh, you know, like Peter said, you know, that TikTok video. Let's face it, dreams is a fucking great song. It's no surprise. Was a great song
0: when it came out. It's, it, still, it's still a great, a great song. song. Now. So, yeah. so
3: that's why it has legs uh, more than anything else, and that's why you know, or or the uh, in the air tonight. You know, you just knew. I mean, you know, uh, us old guys could watch those kids and just know, boy, when the drum roll comes in, you guys are gonna freak. And sure enough, they did. And that was worth it to watch. You know, sort of. Well, thing. a
0: good song is is a good it, song. It's it stands the test. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. it 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 goes yeah. away and comes back, reborn in a new way. Whether it's through a cover song or whether it gets you know used mm. in a viral thing and yeah. You well,
3: know, it, uh, let, let me say one last thing about this, and um, and and that is, I, I think some of this is is is, is a backlash to how copyright uh, has been abused over the last hundred years. I mean, Mickey fucking Mouse, uh, you know, <laughs> is still covered under copyright, and he's almost a hundred years old. Uh, and and basically, they just changed the copyright laws every time Mickey Mouse came up uh, to go into the public. Uh, uh, public domain. And the problem is, is that if you don't have a public domain, you cannot move art forward. Uh, you know, that is how art moves forward. You take disparate pieces from two, three, four, five different things, and you put it together into something new. But if you're, you're legally not allowed to do that, then everything just comes to a standstill. And nobody wants to see that. We want to find the new. We want to find, and, and, you know, a, a lot of questions I get is about, is music important today? Or is the music today just as good as the music is the past? And, you know, the, the I, 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 I tend to try to get away from an argument about that because I think there's, Plenty of fucking great music today. Um, it's not that. It's that there's a, a level of competition that existed at that moment, and a, te- a technology that was constantly changing that caused these people to a have to compete against each other, and b had to find the next thing that was different than what was out there to get noticed. You know, and I just you know I I don't want to see that not be. A, a big factor in how we all create uh, out there, including musicians. and uh, you know again, everybody needs to be fairly compensated for their work because there's a lot of time and effort that's put into that. Um, and there's you know as long as we all agree to figure out a way to make this happen, I think we'll we'll all be happy and successful in the end
0: well it's it's amazing to see how quickly things are changing, and obviously this year, meaning 2020 um, ha- was a huge transitional year for me learning a lot of new processes, learning about a lot of new technology in some ways, using my expertise of what I had done on the radio for years and years. And then on the other hand, having to retrain my brain to think about this new technology and the new opportunities that come and launching the podcast and, you know, getting things to move forward and like, you know, my website and the video show and now being on Pantheon as part of your network. It's like the future is is in some way uncertain, but at the same time, I feel like we might not know exactly where it's going, but it, we've, we've all kind of agreed on the direction and, and we're all, the kind waterfall of on the bus is over there. Going,
3: just where, where you got to have to, you got to go
1: to the waterfall. Yeah, let's just get over
0: there. And, <laughs> and joining the network. I feel like if I'm on that bus headed towards what I think is the horizon that we're all charging for, I feel like I'm on a bus of a bunch of badass, weird-ass <laughs> music loving freaks. Yeah. And that makes me, feel really good, that we're all different in a lot of ways and in the way we look at things and the music that we love. But the one thread that we all have in common is that music literally is our soundtrack and in our life's blood and our passion. And so being welcomed into an organization that has a bunch of like-minded people like that is really energizing for me and really inspiring. So I wanted to have you guys on because I feel, I, I'm I'm loving the fact that I'm part of it now, and I love all of the different you know shows that are on the network, and I think uh, it's really cool. Well, so. so
2: all you listeners out there, Mistress Carrie fans, and uh, all you guys, welcome to Pantheon, and uh, we hope that you know you enjoy all the great shows, and we truly it's an honor and a privilege to have your ears and mistress carrie on board and happy new year to everyone yeah,
0: welcome to the ride yeah happy new year thank god that year's <laughs> fucking over yeah
3: let's hope 20 let's ho- let's hope we don't look back and say wow remember 20 it was so, good, it in so 2020. good in 2020 2020 <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> i know right I'll, i'm hoping that this year is going to be a lot better yeah, and I, there's a lot of really it, exciting it, it, things it looks coming like it's going to
3: get brighter as the year goes on i think we're going to start seeing concerts here in the later part of the year uh you know we probably 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 won't be fully back to tours and festivals and things like that until uh, 2022. But uh, certainly,
0: yeah, but this is it'll be be rebuilding. rebuilding. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. As you know, as we get into summer and and later, right? I mean, right now, you know, it's it's pretty dark out there at the moment. But uh, but I think, um, you know, uh, late spring, early summer, you'll start to see the 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 clouds uh, disperse a little bit.
0: Well guys, thank you so much for oh, coming our on. You answered a lot of questions and <laughs> Thanks for throwing um, them at us. You know, I think I think that uh I think that everybody that listens to my podcast, I think, you know, is going to feel as welcomed into this community that they may not have even known existed until now, and so I think that's really cool too. So
3: Come on in, the water's fine.
0: There they are, Christian and Peter from the Pantheon Podcast Network. So I want to welcome Uh, Everybody that is discovering the Mistress Carrie podcast for the first time because I joined the network. Thank you guys so much for checking out the podcast. All of the links are in the show notes of this podcast if you want to check out all of the podcasts that are in the network. The Pantheon link is there and you can find them all on social as well. And yes, there is a corresponding playlist for episode 31 with all of the artists that we talked about that are featured in all of the podcasts on Pantheon. I want to thank Digital Federal Credit Union or DCU at DCU.org for sponsoring this week's episode. And of course, also MistressCarrie.com where you can find all things Mistress Carrie for sponsoring this week's episode as well. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. New full-length episodes every Wednesday and Monday through Friday. Get all of your rock news, music headlines, and industry info in less than five minutes with the Mistress Carey Situation Report. And of course, as always, you're cordially invited to have a cocktail with me every Tuesday night at 8.30, live on my Facebook page. Join me for cocktails in the War Room.